Minneapolis. <laughs> I, so I sounded very, um, Minnesotan there for a second. Good morning. I don't know, maybe Italian, who knows. Good morning, Minneapolis and other beautiful cities all around the world. My name is La Vialva, and I'm an extreme extrovert. So, it's interesting. As the seasons change in Minneapolis, for people that don't really experience seasons changing, I'm sure they do in a sense, you know. Um, I'm sure they... Even if you live in a warm state, such as, like, California, Texas, um, you know, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, even if you live in, like, an area that, um, is idealistically warm, I'm pretty sure they still experience seasons. Um, but anybody who lives in the Midwest would really know like transition of certain seasons <laughs> and when the seasons change there kind of gives off a sense of transition you know um, we transition from one phase to the next you know one stage to the next and spring is such a beautiful stage for me spring is beautiful because the flowers bloom and, you know, the weather, it was cold before. So in Minneapolis, it gets to be kind of cold. Um, it can start from the beginning of October or September. And then it really lasts quite a while. There's been years where it kind of lasts until February where we're experiencing cold. But May... This year is really nice. Rainy, but nice. And it just kind of gives off. Like, you can just kind of tell. Like, people are in happier moods. People are outside enjoying themselves. You know, it's just a funner time to be alive. <laughs> it's a funner time to be alive. And, um, you know, it's nice to see that people are coming out again. Um, especially for me, since I love socializing and I like going to parties and I like to meet new people and learn about them it's it's often fun you know i like to see people go out and it's nice to go from you know seeing everybody with jackets on snow pants their face covered head to toe and now everyone's wearing skirts and their summer attire and I love it. I love it. I love to see people out. Makes me happy. I have to admit, though, um, with this whole COVID thing happening, you know, in Minneapolis, we're still a city that we have to wear our masks. For me, I've been so used to it by now. You know, and there's people in this city that had to cover their face for religious re reasons anyway. So I feel for those people, it's pretty easy. <laughs> If those people, and that's what kind of got me thinking, you know, if people wear the, like, cover their face for religious reasons every single day, you know, if we only have to do it for a short while, for me, I feel like this is a piece of cake. <laughs> but that's just my opinion. Just my opinion. Anyway. 
since we're on the topic of transitions, transition is interesting because in our life and as humans, we have a lot of transitions. You know, you transition from adulthood, you transition, um, you know, from young adulthood to true adulthood. Some of us, you know, we move to different cities. Some of us go to college. Some of us um, have children and some of us form families. And they're all transitions. And I feel like transitions, some of them can be hard and some of them can be really, really easy. It just depends on the transition. One transition that has been very interesting for me is that transition from rehab to regular life. And when... um, So people that maybe um, are not so much aware of... um, what goes on in rehab. So there's two different types of rehabilitations. And um, here I'm specifically talking about rehabilitations in regards to substance use. Um, so addictions. And if you are, if you go through rehab, um, some people have to do intake and some people have to do outtake. Sometimes it's in-home out home, you know, it's it's the same thing. There's a lot of words for say, describing the same type of therapy, and I just learned in my experience um, intake and outtake therapy. The difference between the two is that outpatient therapy basically means that you are out of the hospital. You're out of, um, you know, being monitored 24/7. Um, you're just, you know, you're in rehab, but you're also, you know, in your own apartment, maybe with your parents or maybe with a guardian or maybe with, you know, a fiance or something, you know, like, I don't want to say you're more in tuned with your regular life, but you're not in a hospital and you're not in like a sober house living facility. And so saying that... That being said, one can kind of understand what intake or inpatient therapy is. Inpatient is where the patient is in either the hospital or a sober house. And the reason for these two differences is because some people need a little bit more... um, you know, physical help to be reliable in their sobriety. And I've talked to a few friends that are in inpatient uh, sober homes. And when it comes to, you know, moving on and eventually maybe moving out of the sober home, it can be really scary. Um, it can be very new for many reasons, you know, because there's not someone there to really talk to you about your struggles and about your triggers. 
And as addicts, when you go into the real world, quotation marks, real world, are we ever really in the real world? This could be a topic that we could go on about forever because what is the real world? Anyway, um, sorry, kind of went on a tangent there. But anyway, um, you know, when it can be hard, it's kind of like, I, I hate like comparing the two but you know how like when some people are in a corrections facility you know when you go to prison when you go to jail you know it can be kind of similar you know if, especially if you've had a long sentence if you've had a lot sent a long sentence that you served for maybe 10 or 20 years when you get out of you know the corrections facility when you get out of prison you know things change they, people have new technologies, they have new slangs, they have, you know, your neighborhood is maybe not the same. And I imagine it kind of being similar. Not completely similar because, you know, when you're an addict, some, some people are addicts and criminals, you know, and that kind of affects their life. Because not every business is going to want to cater to a criminal or, you know, someone who was in prison. Some people might not even want to cater to someone who is an addict, but the thing about being an addict is you don't have to legally state that you're an addict unless you, you know, unless it's a legal situation where you have to complete a rehabilitation or a program. But, you know, most people that, it, if you don't go through some legal issue, like a DUI or like, you know, a crime, involving alcohol, um, it's a lot, you know, it's kind of anonymous, you know, people don't really know about your life, you know, it's, it's not really something that people know about unless you tell them, or unless you, they hear from someone else, and based on my experience, I was in, um, outpatient, so outpatient meant that I was out, you know, had my apartment, um, you know, had my job, and still going to rehab um, every day of the week. You know, you have to check in, make sure you're there, make sure you're going, make sure you're sober, um, just being reliable in that sense. And I had that reliability, I was able to do that because... Um, I don't know, I was just lucky and I caught my addiction before it got too crazy. Um, that's the only reason. I think I was just lucky and um, was able to figure out from there. But it's definitely a lonely world if you don't um, actively seek out other people that understand addiction as a disease like you. And one thing I would really like to kind of mention is that certain communities just have a more normative use for drinking and alcohol. So uh, me, I'm, I'm Latino, you know. All my friends, we drink, you know, drink Coronas, like music. And, you know, it's something that, even though I am sober, is all around me all the time. You know, 
I still I still hang out at places where people are drinking, people are engaging in that activity. I don't choose to do it anymore, but it was, it's definitely in my space. And it's interesting because based on culture, sometimes I don't want to I don't want to blame culture. Okay, I don't want to blame it for the the use that I had, but it's just very interesting because you know, all my life I've just been kind of surrounded by that environment and even now that I'm sober I still absolutely love those kind of environments and I still go I still like going out to bars I still like going out and partying I still like dancing and I still enjoy drinking uh, sweet beverages with my friends and also identifying with the queer community being bisexual a lot of Maybe I shouldn't say a lot of, because now that I'm sober, I have been, um, I have gotten people that message me within my, um, community that is LGBT, and, um, they're sober too, so there are LGBT people that are sober, but I definitely believe that the LGBT community has some communities, especially like in the nightclubs and this, you know, downtown there's tons of drugs there's drugs alcohol and that's what young people do that's what they get into it's interesting because it's normal for that was normal for me as a young person and I think one thing I get asked quite a lot Often, and I probably mentioned this in past podcasts, is when people ask me, like, hey, how can you see these things? How can you be around them and not use them? And I have to admit, y'all, when I first got out of rehab, I could tell all my friends were looking at me, like, when I was going to a party, it's like this hidden elephant in the room. When you first get out of rehab, when you first can prove I, I don't want I don't like saying the word prove because with sobriety you should never have to prove to someone that you're sober sobriety is something that you do for yourself but you know we're people <laughs> we love people um, you know you have friends you want you have family and you people that you love and you trust and you admire you want them to see the best attributes of you you want them to see the best colors of you you know And so that moment where you can finally step out of the door and be like, okay, I finally got this kind of out of... You never get your sobriety in control, but you got it, like, at a set situation. Like, when you get out of rehab and you know that you're like, you know what, I'm leaving this part of myself behind. You know that you're going to be successful. When... You no longer want to hold on to those memories in the past. Are they great? Oh, absolutely. Some of them are super awesome. You know, some memories I have, I drink delicious grapefruit beer in South Korea at a place that was called the Potato Bar, and it was freaking fantastic. Like, I still have 
memories of things that I've done. But, um, there's no longer a chase. There's no longer a chase to be like, hey, I want to go back to that kind of lifestyle. And when you can mentally be concrete in that realization, I think that that's when sobriety becomes the most successful. Um, and it's interesting because in my life, I never thought that I was going to get this far. But anyway, so going back to the, you know, when you get out of rehab and you can kind of tell that you're the white elephant of the room. You know, everyone knows. Because before, when I would go to parties, the first thing I would go to is the drink table. I would go to the drink table. I would, you know, pour myself a drink. I would get on the dance floor, periodically taking shots. Like, I was the kind of person that is just the behavior that behaviors that I did. And with that happening year after year and time after time, mistake after mistake, you know, it becomes a pattern. When you say, oh, I'm not going to drink this one time. Oh, yeah, right. No one can believe, you know. And that's the interesting thing about being an addict in recovery and and becoming sober. Is there's always that... Like, when is she going to do it again? When are you going to fall back? When are you going to go back to your addiction? You know, everyone, there's always people that kind of doubt you. You know, there's always people, even your bestest of friends, you know. Like, I remember the, I went to a graduation. One of the first parties that I had gone to after rehab. And I could tell, you know, like when I was standing by the drink table, people were looking at me like, I could see that their gears were turning, like, is she gonna grab the vodka, or is she gonna grab the juice? And the people that have been in my life for a long time, they obviously want to trust that I will take the juice, but they can't. They can't trust that I'm gonna pick lemonade over vodka, because before rehab, I said so many things. When you're an addict, you say so many things just so that you can get what you want. You know, I said, oh, I'm just going to have one drink. And then I would sneak drinks in the bathroom. I would sneak um, pre-games before a party. Like, it lies. Lies after lie after lie. And that's why transitioning from an active addict to a sober one is kind of hard. Because... The things that you did for such a long time, people assume that you're going to do them again. And when you don't, there's, you know, and especially in regards to uh, relapse, you know, I had a lot of relapses before I became sober, sober. And it's painful. It's painful for an addict's family. It's painful for people that loved me and cared for me because... I would be sober for a month, and they would be like, oh, she's finally getting it together. And then what would happen? Binge drink. So, going back to that, and that happened probably like, oh man, how many times I can't even remember. Like maybe five times I could count on my hand how many times I was sober, 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 relapse. Sober, 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 relapse. And I think that it's important to be patient. It's important to be understanding of others 
and um, the people around you. You know, people that are going through addiction, it's not just them, it's their families, you know. Like, I know for my family, my sister, she probably was very, she probably felt so extraordinarily hopeful when I was sober for a month. And then relapse was just the collapse of all these realizations and all these feelings like, oh, here we go again. And when you love someone, that is really hard to see them make a mistake and for us the people for us (laughs) I say it like I know well now I might know actually now I might actually experience the other side because I'm sober but um I know for like family members that are sober um it could also be really tempting to want to push the person and be like get sober get sober get sober But if you're an addict, you're not going to get sober by someone telling you. Everyone's going to tell you. And you really have to find it within yourself. You have to go deep inside yourself. I mean deep inside of yourself. (laughs) It sounds sexual, but it's not. (laughs) Like, I mean like deep inside of your head. Like, you have to be honest with yourself to why and what is going on. Otherwise, you will never... I I won't say you will never, but I will say that it will be very hard to maintain sobriety for good reason. Because you won't have an internal reason to why you want to engage in a lifestyle that is not, in my mind, typically normal. You know, a normal lifestyle for me, in my perception, was, you know, going out with your friends, having beers, and, you know, going to work, and going to school, and doing all these things while, you know, having a healthy relationship with alcohol. And every addict has this ideal that they want to be that kind of person. They want to be a tempered drinker. They want to be like everyone else. And that's the struggle. It's not a struggle, but it is, you know. It's just, you know, it's something that you want, but you know that you can't have. And the the power and the wonderful attributes of the sober community is that there's many people that are um, experiencing life the same way as you. There are many people that, you know, maybe have to try a little bit harder. (laughs) A little bit harder to enjoy life, and that's okay. It's okay, you know, especially when you're really depressed. You know, I've, I've had depression since I was 10 years old, and um, sometimes it, it looks silly, Sometimes people think you're really weird because you might be listening to music and singing out loud or trying to enjoy a food so immensely. Go to it. Like, I've gone to a coffee shop and drank a warm cup of coffee and been like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> you know, like, I've been like, wow, this is great. Like, you have to. It kind of is like your mind. You have to like kind of train your mind to be like, this is the good things about life. Especially if you have depression like me. And that like, you know, sober from an addiction. Sometimes you gotta dance in the living room. (laughs) Sometimes you have to dance in the street. Sometimes you have to sing out loud so everyone can hear you. Because can't, you know, <laughs> suppress your feelings any other way. Otherwise, you know, we, if you don't do those things in your life that you truly enjoy, 
you might not live for that long. So that's why on my on my podcast, I know I don't really take too much time to express um, in details um, the importance of when I say, you know, do something nice for yourself. But when I say that, it's for good reason. You know, I hope that the listener, I hope you guys do something for yourself today because you have to. Whether, you know, it's taking a nap, whether it's making sure you have breakfast, whether it's sitting down to just rest. We need these things in our life. We need to make life um, doable. We can't make life any more complicated than it already is for us. Listen to the most beautiful songs that you like. Look outside and see the trees and the animals. What makes you happy? What people in your life make you happy? One thing that I am so blessed with is that in my life, I've been blessed with very, very kind people. And one advantage that I have in my lifetime is that even though at one point in my addiction I had inhibited the worst characteristics of myself, I say this every time, there are people in my life that looked at me with potential. There were people in my life that pushed me. There were people in my life that looked at me when I was down, when I was dirty, when I was an addict, when I was mean, when I was violent, when I was aggressive. When I inhibited the worst characteristics of myself, there were people that looked at me in the face as a human being. And those people, I cannot thank them enough because they have seen the greatest qualities of myself that I did not even know I inhibited. And the most beautiful thing about sobriety is when you wake up in the morning and you see your face and you see the things that other people see. They see strength. They see respect. They see happiness. They see potential. And I'm not saying to, you know, look for these external factors, you know, but like I had mentioned earlier, we're human. We want our loved ones to look at us as if we're doing something right. That, those shouldn't be the only factors, but these particular factors, when you have people in your lives that support you, you go far. And that's why it's important when you love someone to support them obviously don't hold their hand and be like oh here you go have your addictions have your drugs no i don't mean that but i mean like stand with them hold their hand listen to them tell them that you love them someone might be struggling but if they do something right Praise them for what they are doing right. Let them know when they are doing something right. And vice versa. Anyway. That was quite a tangent. 
But I had to get that off my chest. It was very important to me. But anyway, I do have to get going. And like I had said earlier, do something nice for yourself today. You deserve it. You deserve to be sober. You deserve a good life. And you deserve happiness. I don't care what kind of person you are, but everyone deserves these things. And I hope that you have a good day today, or a decent day. And please have the safest, safest, safest of travels.